Hello, everybody. It's been a few days, a few weeks, since I last had a conversation with you. And uh, let me turn my fan off here first. A little bit of silence without the background noise of that fan. I was told in my last podcast by someone that... Uh, that fan is quite annoying that you have. Um, I agree. <laughs> I, I wanted to really start off today with a podcast on spirituality. I, I'd gotten into that and I'd spoken about spirituality recently. Most recently, in fact. And for me personally, everything in my life revolves around spirituality. In the past few months I've had an experience that is best summed up in the past week um, without going into detail I ran into an individual where I in one of the places that I work that was quite rude to me <laughs> uh, I, I met this gentleman and his first reaction to me was get out of my chair to which uh, I, I was quite taken aback and in life, unfortunately, we find many of these processes uh, of people that just for some reason or another come from a different uh, set of values than we do. Or rather, their values haven't reached the values that we need to have or they need to have. And everybody is here to teach you something. So it gave me this, this experience, uh, without naming the person, I'm not trying to shame them, I'm not trying to put them down or to point that out as an important experience in my life, because it certainly was not. It was just one person that could have been as rude as somebody on a, on a subway telling you that they want your seat. You know, this is a common everyday thing. But I've taken my life in, in recent years and made it more adjusted to trying to find a meaning in life and surrounding myself around people that I can do the most good with. And when I think about it, I'm, I'm reminded back to when these experiences like this happen. And how, how do you really truly quantify the value that you put on this? Um, a, a lot of people think that the way I live my life has been nonsense. As I spoke in my last podcast, I've devoted my life to much the same principles that my heroes, uh, not just in the music business, but spiritual heroes, and that's what I'm speaking of today. People like Carl Jung, Ram Dass, Wayne Dyer, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, many, many more other people. And I've been doing this poetry reading, and I want to read three to you this morning, this afternoon, wherever you're at. Uh, spiritual poetry, to get us off on the feeling of how we need to feel about life in, in the current moment. We're still living through this horrible pandemic, and in, in all aspects, we are um, feeling this. So when I, when I think about the spirituality, I'm going to go back thousands of years here to Lao Tzu, who had, because of war and weapons and everything, he'd been in charge of a very large portion of China, helping out uh, the one emperor. He had been, I believe, uh, 
an elder statesman and, and had left everything and went off to die in the mountain. And people said to Lao Tzu, well, before you die, could you please tell us what you know about life? And he, he wrote down the Tao Te Ching. So I'm going to read two passages from the Tao Te Ching, first of all, for you. The first one goes, A good traveler has no fixed plans and is not intent upon arriving. A good artist lets his intuition lead him wherever he wants. A good scientist had freed himself of concepts and keeps his mind open to what is. Thus, the master is available to all people and doesn't reject anyone. He is ready to use all situations and doesn't waste anything that is called embodying the light. What is a good man but a bad man's teacher? What is a bad man but a good man's job? If you don't understand this, you will get lost. However intelligent you are, it is the great secret. And then the second passage here. Some say that my teaching is nonsense. Others call it lofty but impractical. But to those who have looked inside themselves, this nonsense makes perfect sense. And to those who put into practice this loftiness has roots that go deep. I have just three things to teach. Simplicity, patience, compassion. These things are your strongest treasures. Simple in action and in thought, you return to the source of being. Patient with both friends and enemies, you accord with the way things are. Compassionate towards yourself, you reconcile all beings in the world. Lastly, to start this, us off today. I want to read around the 5th to 2nd century BC from the Bhagavad Gita. I think of the words of Krishna here to start us off on this, the spiritual aspect of our lives. And this is rather long, so it might take me a while. Those who realize true wisdom wrapped within this clear awareness see me as the universe's origin, perishable. All their words and all their actions issue from the depths of worship. Held in my embrace, they know me as a woman knows her lover. Creatures rise, creatures vanish. I alone am real, Arjuna, looking out amused from deep within the eyes of every creature. I am the object of all knowledge, father of the world, its mother, source of all things, of impure and pure holiness and horror. I am the goal, the root, the witness, home and refuge, dearest friend, creation and annihilation, everlasting seed and treasure. I am the radiance of the sun. I open, withhold the rain clouds. I am mortality and death. And being and non-being, I am the self, Arjuna, seated in the heart of every creature. I am the origin, the middle, and the end, and all must come to. Those who worship me sincerely with their minds and bodies 
giving up their whole lives in devotion, find me in their heart's fulfillment. Even those who do not know me in their actions and straightforwardness just and lovingly venerate me with their truest kind of worship. All your thoughts, all your actions, all your fears and disappointments offer them to me, clear-hearted, know them as eyes passing visions. Thus, you free yourself from bondage, from both good and evil karma. Through your non-attachment, you embody me in utter freedom. I am justice, clear, impartial, favoring no one, hating no one. But in those who have cured themselves of selfishness, I shine with brilliance. Even murderers and rapists, tyrants, the most cruel fanatics ultimately know redemption through my love if they surrender to my harsh but healing graces. Passing through excruciating transformations, they find freedom and their hearts find peace within them. I am always with all beings. I abandon no one. And however great your inner darkness, you are never separate from me. Let your thoughts flow past you calmly. Keep me near every moment. Trust me with your life because I am you more than you are yourself. Think about that. I pose these three poems for a very important reason, especially that last part. These two parts in this I am real Arjuna looking out amused from deep within the eyes of every creature and in that last part uh, keep me near at every moment trust with me with your life because I am you more than you yourself are it's to the true nature of God and uh, I had an experience nothing nothing I'm saying with my experience is any different than that of any of my teachers and if they were here now many of them have passed on they would say that there's nothing special about them many of them had titles you know Mahatma or Baba or any of these these false titles that don't embrace the concept of a person I remember um, Alan Watts saying that, you know, the concept of Alan Watts is a concept, it's a name, and it doesn't take along all the biological processes, all the people you've known throughout your life, etc., etc. And um, to take these processes for granted is to really see that a person is so much more than the concept you give them. The concept of anybody, be it the richest person, be it the poorest, be it anything. We're seeing that in our political stances right now. We have two people to choose from. I obviously lean towards a humanistic aspect um, without politics. Politics bores me to hell and back. I work the elections nonpartisan. But I always lean, I always lean with my beliefs non-politically to whatever is the, the highest good for people. And I mean that that being the, the lowest of people up to the highest and everybody in between. And right now in this pandemic, we're seeing that. But, but my point being 
to you is, dear reader, listener, in everything I've written, in every poem I've written as well, to glean towards this spiritual side. And a couple years ago when I did this spiritual poetry with Nikki Williams on her show for the Kansas City Paranormal Broadcasting, that was the topic. And I had never thought about what I had said in the past, the spiritual poetry until then. And I realized a lot of it greatly was. My book, uh, The Last Mountain Tells of the Ridge Runner, which is a story of uh, the, the first Lenape uh, believed that a man was giving the pipe by a spiritual being. And the, the pipe itself, the bowl, represents the female and the the other part of the pipe is the male, and it's very similar to Hinduism, the idea of the uh, the uh, lingam and the yani. And um, my my whole book was a story of this this God that's still sitting there looking at what he's done and looking at people and just a lot of poems that kind of were from my perspective, but from a, a perspective of you at a mountain God watching down. Um, Point being with the spirituality of it, the names you put upon it, we have two people we're choosing from for office. And uh, honestly, I can't think of their names offhand. <laughs> but person A and person B, whatever name you give them, um, your concept of them is not who they are. Uh, you have a good, good view on what you're voting for. You don't really have much of a choice because you have one or two. But... Uh, beyond going my thoughts on this, that person is not the person you have their concept of. There's much more to them. And you're sworn and pulled in one direction based on what propaganda is thrown your way. And that, that propaganda is much of our lives. A teacher and friend of mine, Ram Das, who I dreamt about the other night, and that was my spiritual epiphany on this, uh, came to me in a dream, and I, I won't talk about it, but it was totally Ram Dass, and it was liberating in ways that uh, I, I can't truly explain the story with, but it was about the ego, and about, because he was a behavioral psychologist through Maslow, and, and he was Richard Alpert, and you know, I, you can listen to many of his speeches. One of my favorite uh, teachers is Ram Dass. And I want to sum him up, first of all. I had this all written out, how I wanted to go in, in different ways with this. But I want to sum Ram Dass up, as far as this was a guy that started out teaching with, you know, psychology. Timothy Leary got him into psychedelics, and he thought, oh, I found this, this wonderful thing, but there's always an up and there's a down. And he has this amazing story where he goes to India, and he meets uh, his teacher. And uh, his teacher is this, this little bald guy you know everybody's coming to see him he's a spiritual teacher and he doesn't see himself ever wanting to be subservient to somebody not subservient in a sense and he goes into saying that 
A guru is not the Western sense of being a spiritual teacher, such as we have in the, in the, in the West. You know, a guru is not a teacher. A guru is not a, a saint, as in the sense that it's a saint that is anything more than to reflect back at you what you need to learn. Um, what you need to be where you are at in that spiritual point in your life. And Ram Das went through a lot of different experiences with this man. And after his passing, you know, he saw the experience of talking about what his teacher taught him and how it moved into other people's lives, how that, that influence of love, love, serve, and remember. And if you look at the early interviews with, with um, Richard Alpert, Again, if I would have had all this written out and planned with a um, little point-by-point uh, point bulletin and I wanted to do this, I would be better off. But Ram Das came to me and said, hey, don't do it that way. Do it free and open. You may not get all the words right, but you'll be speaking from the heart. And that's what you need to do in this podcast. So anyhow, Ram Das goes and... Um, after meeting Maharaja, he, he goes and he uh, starts teaching this this lesson. But if you listen to the earlier Richard Alpert, which was his name before he took the name Ram Das, he came from a family of prestige and power. He was a doctorate of psychology at Harvard. And there's a certain tinge of arrogance to him. And I love that. I do love that about, about uh, Richard Alpert. I love... His arrogance, and you even see it in Ram Dass a little bit. There's that little bit. He was a wonderful speaker, okay, a wonderful public speaker, and you do get that sense that there's what he's saying is extremely meaningful. But you do get that little bit of he's he's got that power to it, and I love that. I don't look at that as being bad. It's a tool. It's a part of his personality. Um. And then he had a stroke. And a horrible thing. Paralyzed. If you watch later interviews, he's a little slower to speak. His words take longer. He's not this wonderful speaker anymore. He's this wounded man that by this experience has learned to compensate his speaking patterns, his thought patterns, and slow them, slow them down and simplify them where it's not a and I'm not putting him down for this but before he'd given speeches it was a speech and it was very much you saw the professor in him but what you get down to when everything is stripped away it's the purity of Ram Dass is especially towards the end his idea of one mantra I really like I am, which is two important words right there, okay? Do you know what the words I am mean? When, when you look in the Bible, um, you look at the story of Moses. I'm right here next to this, this plan of mine that I brought in. I got this little plan, so it's, it's a... 
they call it a wandering Jew, but I call it Moses because there, there's a bad connotation with the name of that plant. But to me, I keep this plant for that reason because I think of Moses living in Egypt and wandering across the desert. And I want to keep that good connotation. So I have my my friend Moses here with me that uh, keeps me in check. This little plant I bought that became this amazing giant uh, um, plant. And Moses goes to... They're killing all the firstborn babies that are males. And Pharaoh's daughter finds him because Moses' mother puts him in a bassinet. And he unfortunately kills uh, one of these uh, these uh, soldiers that the Pharaoh has. And he takes that knows he's going to be you know put to death because he killed a, one of the Pharaoh's soldiers. He's a Jew. And he goes out in the desert for 40 years. And he leaves all this behind. And he has his freedom. And he sees the burning bush. And the burning bush tells him, you have to go back and tell people who you are as my messenger. You have to tell them that you come because of me. It's the only time in the Bible that God ever gives his name. Moses says, what will I tell the people that... Um, <laughs> who you are you know they've got all these gods and god says i am that i am and that goes back to even what um krishna says in that part of i don't know i'll be able to find it again krishna says in the bhagavad gita here you know let's find this Krishna says, Lift, let your thoughts flow past you calmly. Keep me near for every moment. Trust me with your life because I am you more than you are yourself. I am that I am is the name of God. And whenever you say, I am, and I teach my clients this in our work, we're, we're taught this, you're not feeling sick, you're not angry, you are angering. I am angering. Okay, so this is divine presence. When you say I am, you are talking as if that we're all made in the image of God. So to see it in other people is, is the biggest thing. So I am, this is, I'm, I'm saying that my time right here on, on earth, my life that's given to me by God, I am angering. I'm choosing. It's making it from a noun to a verb and it makes you take possession and um, ownership of your feelings so that you can change them but the point being is I am is the name of God so this mantra which if you take all of Ram Dass's wisdom life experiences and all my other spiritual teachers it begins with that I am which is the name of God, and the name of ourselves as well, and the name of other people. So when you say I am, you mean God, yourself, and other people. I am loving awareness. What is loving awareness? Well, loving awareness is 
to be not just enlightened. Everybody wants to be enlightened. It happens for three seconds, okay? You see a bright light, you know, it's a pretty sunset and it's dark, okay? Nighttime is over, that sunset's over. You gotta live with yourself now. Nobody's gonna listen to you, they're gonna think you're really weird. <laughs> okay, but lo loving awareness is when you can connect with other people, with what you're doing. Um, and not just people, but, but everything. Because everything's taken from a humanistic perspective. But the people you meet, uh, the people that don't get you, the people that do, everybody is, is learning something and at a point in life where loving awareness is what we become when we let go, go of our ego. And, you know, I've, I've said that for many years. I, I've, I've had my psych degree for over 20 years. And I'm very psychoanalytic. I'm very much into Zhang and different, different theorists. But I never realized the true concept of ego until recently. This dream with Ram Das I had, he came around and he said to me about a situation and he had scissors. He snipped all these strings that were tied to my back that were tying me down. And I said, uh, well, why are you doing this? And, and first of all, my first, my first thought was, wow, you know, you're not in your wheelchair anymore. This is awesome. I was so glad that to dream about him and see him that way. And he said, no, he said, um, these are tying you down. These are things that other people have imposed on you because of your goodness that you don't deserve and you don't need. I'm cutting them so that you can be free. And I said, I said, Master, there's um, some of those I need. And he laughed and he said, no, those ones are tied to your heart. And I was blown away by that. And instantly, all the things that have been bothering me including this pandemic, were, were cut away. Um, his whole point was being that you're in a situation you don't have control over. And you can sit there and think yourself in circles. This, this does no good for the mind, the body, the soul. And I was tied into this concept of loving awareness. Way before that. Now, I'm not just pointing Ram Dass out. That's not, he's not my great mentor. Okay, I would consider Randy Kesky. She was my psych teacher, the uh, founder of the feminist movement, one of them, that uh, I was very fortunate to write a poem about and, and have it read at her wake, which just incredibly humbles me. And so there are many teachers this, this, this sort of way. It doesn't make one more important than another. Or what one says important, and that's, that's the whole point of this. The whole point is ego, all these concepts are concepts of the self. Reflect back to where Zhang, Zhang drew a, Carl Zhang, drew a circle, and he drew a line across it. He said, okay, I'm going to get this wrong. But basically, who you think you are when you're awake is that circle right on top. Right. 
And it's like a guy in a boat on top of the water. And underneath it's a shadow, the anima, the, all, all these psychoanalytic um, archetypes. Above, above it's the conscious. Below is the unconscious. And you're fishing and you get caught into one of these psychopomps. And it, it pulls you. It's a fish. It's a big fish and you're going to fight this thing. Then the moment you're fighting this fish, it's taking control over you. That's probably what that dream was based on. Um, but the whole concept of the unconscious and conscious is yourself. What, what does this all mean? T to, me, to me, as a psychologist, um, a writer, someone who lives as Gandhi believed as a zero man, I don't believe in wealth. I don't take, I don't do things for wealth. I don't do anything for personal gain. Uh, I live. Okay, I have to live and eat. But I don't take things for wealth and personal gain. I don't have a timeshare. Uh, what it means, as Ram Dass, as other people have said, Wayne Dyer, uh, Carl Jung, especially, Carl Jung incredibly in-depth, is you are not anything beholding to anybody. But as, as Ram Dass, when he met Maharishi, and that concept of love, what is loving awareness? It is unconditional love. And that is what we are. We are unconditional love. That is all you owe another person is unconditional love. So when you say, I am loving awareness, that, that's, that's a self motivating point as a meditation that brings mindfulness into it. You're talking about self. I am. It's God. That's yourself, another person. So that brings balance. What you see in another person is God. Not in the sense that, oh, I am equal to God or I am God or we were all made in that image. And that's the spiritual thing you should see in everybody. That's why when you're a performer, such as myself and many of my friends are, they're there to see us. But we're there for them. And we're really feeling right now, as I've stated, the audience is, is our love. Because I could go through many of my friends, what they're dealing with right now as musicians. <laughs> they miss that, okay? I could go through my one friend, Natalia, who just lost her grandmother and I know she really misses her grandmother and the, the, the wisdom her grandmother had and the fun. And it's heartbreaking. She misses that image of God that guided her and reflected back who she was. When you lose somebody, you lose a piece of, especially like grandparent or parent or anybody, you lose a sense of yourself because they defined who you are. Um, these are these are very important 
parts that I'm just touching on. I could go on for an hour about it. But I want to give you all a moment. Just a moment to realize that. And um, th think of the aspect beyond people. Think, think of the grapevine. I have this wonderful grapevine that, well, two of them. One I, one I planted about five years ago, and I just got grapes off it this year for the first year. And it struggled through this dry year we've had. And I have another one that is about 80 to 100 years old. I don't know how old it is. These grapevines grow. They reach to the sun. They live their lives. And they give these amazing things called grapes. You can make wine out of them. Or apple trees. Even apple Anything. This is taking people out of the equation. This goes for music, too. Every musician knows this. Taylor Swift, especially, would be an example of somebody that gives selflessly, brilliantly, lovingly, in ways that few artists today have. Raylan Nelson, second. Um, the grapevine gives without anything that's going to get back. You're not going to uh, say, hey, I'll take these grapes and I'll give you, uh, uh, you, you know, it gives. It gives the birds, it gives everybody. The whole concept is of life. It's hoping that a seed is going to grow somewhere. But to that grapevine, to that plant, that fruit, the fruit is what you give. So much like us. You don't know if it's ever going to work. Probably one out of a thousand grapes sprouts into a vine. And one out of a thousand vines lives to maturity. So much of this is fruitless. But the grapevine doesn't grow only to have other grapevines grow. It gives of itself lovingly. Itself is an image of God. It gives to be an example of what a grapevine is. And it doesn't need anybody to tell it's a grapevine. It doesn't need anybody to explain it to it. But it gives of that beauty, that sweetness of all of those things in its environment, good and the bad, the rain, the heat of the summer, the cold of the winter, the fight in the spring with the frost to remain alive, and then the fall to give back of itself upon harvest to where it can take mindfulness of this is me giving. That is how we have to uh, really think as, as outside of the human condition to look at others. My neighbor Tom Creed made many, many wooden baskets uh, that he taught me how to make. They're cut in a spiral and it, they take two weeks to make one. I've made several hundred. He made thousands. And he made many of them and gave them away. And, and some of them would be broken. Returned a week later, oh, can you fix this? No, I can't. Um, he do them for free. And he gave much the same way as his grapevine. 
and out of so many baskets, a few are probably out there right now sitting on shelves with Tom Creed's name written on them. And some of them have my name written on them that I made. But they were not made to be anything more than the process. I enjoyed the process of making them. I enjoyed taking this, this dead board and making this, this cut in this board and turning it into, with different types of oils, a living thing when you breathe life back into it and it became a thing of beauty. Um, and maybe in a hundred years, one might live. And with people right now, the kind of concept of giving something like food we're seeing somebody needs something or just those small times right now and we need it the most. To be the I am, that I am. That's what I wanted to remind you all of, more so than to talk about some spiritual uh, information that you can look up and listen to endless podcasts with Alan Watts or Wayne Dyer or Carl Jung or Ram Dass. I've left... But another 20 of them out. Those are just the ones that came to mind that I won't um, pull on their thoughts. But this, this is why we're here. We are not here to take from others that which is not ours. I, I said to someone recently, you know, the, the very amount of poverty that I have I've earned with my own two hands, and nothing would ever want me to have anything that is not mine. I think that another teacher of mine, who had the show Night Sounds, said it every eloquently for years with music. That great trumpet player. I'll let you all look him up. All right, that's your homework for tonight. <laughs> Look up the show Night Sounds. One of my spiritual teachers that when my dog passed away wrote me a very kind letter and gave me peace. So those moments of reaching out. And going back to my previous podcast, when you really meet your heroes and they're as good as you think they are, they're not your heroes. They're reflecting in you and everything they've written something about yourself. And what you really have when you find something like that is a communion with God. For this brief moment in life, this time that you're given, these, these brief moments of life, you have about, really in life, about 30 years to really get it right. <laughs> okay? Um... If you're lucky, you have an opportunity that nobody owes you anything. And I want to leave you all with that. And again, with my friend Ram Dass, he asked me in my dream to say this mantra with all of you. To sum up everything we need right now. I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness. I am loving 
awareness. Thank you all, and it was good talking to you. Be good.